When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Season's greetings and welcome to a special episode of the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we have put together our best moments, funniest moments, most interesting moments. Some of our favorites. From the first season of the Great Song Podcast. JP, how you doing today, man? Fantastic. Just had an amazing sandwich from Jersey Mike's. Mm. Philly cheese steak for me. <sighs> Original with tons of stuff for you. So much. I love Jersey Mike's so much. So good. So we're, here's what we got for you today. We've taken our best clips from each episode of the Great Song Podcast, and we've compiled them uh, into just one big, yummy pizza of great song goodness for you to devour as you please. So go ahead, sit back, undo your belt, pop that top button, and gorge yourself. Give yourself a shoe wedgie. <laughs> And devour the best moments of season one of the Great Song Podcast. Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane. Touchdown in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of the pouring rain. WC handy, won't you look down over me? He summarized the song as uh, a song about a Jewish gospel music lover, and he said it was about a, a, a pretty literal visit to Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and it, putting it in that light, I didn't know, I'd never thought about, is Mark Cohen Jewish or Buddhist or whatever? Um, but uh, apparently a lot of people, because of the third verse of the song, the line about, are you a Christian, believe that he was like a born-again Christian. I've never thought that because of that line. Have you? No, I thought actually the complete opposite. Yeah. That he, because of that line, he was that night. But exactly. he's the furthest thing in the world from a Christian. Yeah, that's what that's what I thought too. I always thought, I, I never I never once gave a thought about, there's nothing in the song that's like, and I'm Jewish, you know, there, so it's not <laughs> obvious unless you just know. That or should you, have been the fourth verse. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody, I'm Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Rod, Rod Carew comes out and does it. <laughs> but I always thought, I just always thought this it was a song about a songwriter, and and basically in him saying, "Ma'am, I am tonight." That that he was sort of saying, "Man, I'll be anything for a second. Like, See, I'll I'll jump straight to that since we're jump, jumping in it. I kind of, I, how do you picture Muriel? Uh, I, I kind of picture Aretha Franklin. To be really, honest. I'm completely opposite. Like I, the first time I like when I first was listening to it. Through my entire childhood, I thought it's some beautiful young girl with an old person name. <laughs> like, it's this really hot 20-something-year-old whose parents are just so mean and named her Muriel. And so this is his... This Apologies is his, to all the Muriels Yeah, out sorry, there. Muriel, if you're out there. Sorry, I'm Muriel Mays or whatever you're... Uh, anyway, the... Uh, actually, her last name is Muriel Wilkins. I yes, Wilkins. Some, some homework on her, but we can talk about that later. 
But uh, yeah, I just always thought that was like his pickup line. Like, <laughs> tell me, are you? Well, yeah, if you are, I am tonight. That's hey, my, baby. That was my uh, my initial. If you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Yeah. What are you doing later? Yeah. <laughs> it charted in the U.S. on the Billboard Hot 100. It peaked at number 13. Um, it peaked at number 12 on the Billboard Adult Contemporary charts and number seven on the U.S. mainstream rock tracks. Now, think about the difference in 1992 and now that Walking in Memphis was considered was, mainstream rock. Yeah. Like, where would it fit now? Like, it's it's like 1992 Mark Cohn was basically Foo Fighters now. Oh, gosh. Like, it's sort of like light rock you know what I mean like it's just your basic rock and roll is what that was considered in 1992 which I find very amusing Uh, on bass, the Precaro that did not play bass on the album, but is on the video. Uh, somebody else actually played bass on the actual album, but okay. he's in the video. Yeah. It's Mike Precaro. Um, he was playing with Vicki Lawrence at the time. From Vicki Lawrence from Mama's, Mama's Family? Family. He <laughs> toured with Vicki Lawrence at the time. She had a traveling group, huh. and he played bass for it. Okay, so that's why man. he was not on this recording, wow. because he was on the road with Vicki Lawrence. Okay, man. My favorite musician on this is the guy that played the recorder. There's a guy named Jim Horn who plays the recorder. I'm looking at the back of the vinyl, and he gets all kinds of credit on here in big, big, big notes. So I had to look up some Jim Horn fact. Hey, of course. Um, he played on three Beatles solo albums, but I cannot find which one. So he uh-huh. played on three of the Beatles and not one of the others, so I don't know who he left out. Um, but he played flute with John Denver. And also on the Beach Boys Pet Sounds album and Rolling Stones uh, Goat's Head Soup album. Wow, he played on Pet Sounds. He did. I mean, that's a big deal. Flute on Pet Sounds. Flute on Pet Sounds. Listen, playing flute with John Denver. (laughs) is rock and roll at its finest. And he's like, I'm going to up that one by playing recorder with Toto. That's the the whitest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Those of y'all that don't know what a recorder is, it's oh, yeah. the instrument they teach you in elementary school that looks like a flute, but it's not. Yeah. It's, it's like, like the, it's like a, it's like a stick with holes in yeah, it. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I had a recorder. Did you have a recorder? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I lost my, I was third chair recorder in sixth grade, uh, and I, <clears throat> I got challenged by one of the other people and the song that they challenged me to was uh, You're the Inspiration by Chicago, Chicago. and uh, I lost my chair because I played it like it was on the record instead of playing it like it was on the page oh and uh, so I played it more complicated but truer to the recording and I lost my third chair recorder <laughs> position to Sally or whoever I was going to say what's the name of the person oh man you know to what? Jim Horn to Jim Horn oh. this kid Jim <laughs> oh man and then I was like, man, I got to look up some Toto facts. So I typed in Toto facts, and it took me to Toto the dog yeah, I bet. from Oz. And he never spoke in Oz, <laughs> so Toto never spoke in the original. His name, the original Toto was Terry the Terrier, 
And he played the guy that the dog that played Toto made one hundred and twenty five dollars a week. Sure. Which back in the day, that's pretty good money because the midgets only made fifty dollars a week. Oh, wow. So I went deep on my Toto. They're little, they're, they're little people, JP. Yeah. Sorry. They're, Don't be insensitive. Sorry, they're called uh, yellow. Brick, brick, brick. <laughs> OK. He also played in 13 other films. That same dog was in 13. Really? Other films. Yeah. Terry the Terrier. Terry man. the Terrier. Dot at age 11 on June 18th. <laughs> 2011, my R. I. P. birthday. R.I.P. Terry the Terry. Oh, uh, wow. He has a memorial set up for, I'm sorry, for her, Terry the Terry, oh, at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Broke her foot during the production of Wizard of Oz, and one of the scenes they had to have a substitute dog come in. Really? Of a broken Are you tell me in Wizard of Oz somewhere there's a fake Toto? There's a sub oh, on man. a Toto. I'm not having Toto substitutes. That's, I don't know. I don't want to know which scene. Wow. Uh, Lars Ulrich, big fan of the show. Yeah. Big fan of the show. Listens every week. He emails me. Um, doesn't really know how to use a computer much. I think maybe that's why he was afraid of Napster. He, he sent us a fax that said, great job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for tuning in, Lars. We really appreciate it, man. We, we, we do. We don't need no education. I don't know if I ever had a bad teacher. Great answer. Nothing negative on this. We are positive podcast. Yeah, positivity, man. I had a boring teacher. I had one teacher who, uh, this is great for for all the audio nerds listening. This is a great story. I had one teacher who, he spoke with a very monotone voice, and he didn't really change the pitch of his voice or the volume of his voice at any time, and it stayed <laughs> at this one pitch. I, I, I'm even changing my pitch more than he did. He, If he was reading something, he would say, um, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and never change pitch the entire class. Okay, so that was bad enough. But the problem where I sat in the room, we had assigned seating, and where I sat was in the back kind of right corner of the room. The radiator is directly behind <laughs> me and it's warm and it gives off that hum. And, and then the, the pitch of his voice, uh, we were in a cement, uh, cinder block, you know, painted wall. cinder block. Yeah. Inside the wall. <laughs> um, and the pitch of his voice was the resonant frequency of that room. So like, you know, most rooms have a frequency that if you hit it, it will ring in the room. And so literally the pitch that he stayed on just made the entire room where I was sitting go for an hour. Those of y'all that just turned this on and you heard that noise that is Rob doing that. It was awful. I'm going to go back in and edit that and add some delay and echo. So the listeners can get a real feeling for how it was. How miserable. It was so bad. I can't even remember what the class was. I think it was maybe social studies or history or something. I don't have a clue. Not PE. I mean, I was in high school. I should remember what class that was. (laughs) You know, it was, oh gosh, it was awful. I had a teacher that would fall asleep. He was narcoleptic. I had the same guy in college. Woods. Yes. Sabred Woods. (laughs) Sorry, Sabred Woods, if you're listening to this. Part two uh, is sort of a straight ahead. It's actually, you know, in, in everything I read about this, and apparently this is true, I've just never thought of it this way, 
describes the song as having a disco beat. Yeah, that's, I, I actually wrote that down here. I, I don't know if I read that someplace, but I feel like I should do my John Travolta dance when I, I listen to it. I have never thought about I, that. I think it's that it's so, it's very bass driven when yeah. obviously because Roger Waters wrote it, he's probably going to write something that. Great well, bass line. And I think it sounds more anti Pink Floyd than anything else that I heard. I don't think it sounds Pink Floydish at all. It's the one that I think I th- it's very out of their. They're, of their apparently name. what happened is their producer heard heard the the idea for the song heard the song and suggested that they um they put a a disco beat underneath it he he started playing in these hot disco tracks i think he might have even taken them to like a disco hall or whatever a discotheque and 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 let them get a feel for it um and convince them to do it i and i got to say the producer uh on the song who was uh bob ezrin along with the rest of the band um he had a couple of so, uh, ideas on this song that with without the ideas it is not it's not the the classic it is today. He had the idea to put a disco beat underneath it that sort of if you think of it's almost got the same groove at the same tempo as uh, the Bee Gees. Um, um, what's the song? Uh, staying alive or stay, yeah, staying alive. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got that same <laughs> Billy Jean. Like it's all that same sort of groove. I've just never thought about this song in that context. Because they're a progressive rock band, and I don't know. I just don't think, oh, that man, that's right, disco, yeah. Um, but I guess it is. But now, and and now I play, you know, most of my music is played in, like, the uh, church community, the worship community, and it's really that same groove that's still ruling that. It's it's it, what you would call four on the floor if you're a drummer, where you're hitting the kick on every and you're hitting the snare There's on two and four. There's just loops and yeah. drum, synth, drum hits behind it. And it, so it really is, I mean, that's a, that's a groove that is still, I'm very much in week to week. So to, to call it disco has never even entered my mind. Roger Waters played bass and sang some vocals in unison with David Gilmore on this song. Uh, random things about Roger Waters. I tried to pick some, some highlights. He is t- currently um, in the top five richest bass players of all time. He is number four on the richest bass players in the world. Do you have the rest of the list? I have the top five. Okay. All right. So this will be a guessing game. If you'll allow me, I'm going to go ahead and say number one is Nathan East. Nathan East did not make the list. Are you serious? Think broader, not just bass players. Think of like musicians that are big that play the bass. Sting. Sting is number two. Sting is number two. Um, The number one is the bass player for probably the biggest band ever. Think of it in that context. You too? Is it, he's number five. He's number five. Adam Clayton's okay, Adam number Clayton. five. So you got Sting, Roger Waters is four, Clayton is five. You're missing two. Oh, man. Um, Three's a toughie because I, you don't really picture it, him as a bass player. as more of a stage act. I'll help you with it. Is it Lemmy? It's Gene Simmons of Gene, Kiss. Oh, of course. Okay, okay. And number one, drum roll, Paul McCartney. Of course. Number one. Oh. So, yeah, I tried to do the list off the top of my head, too. And I, I missed Gene Simmons, um, and I put I had I had Clayton, but further down. I, I wrote out my top ten. Um, so I, I, I would have guessed I would have guessed a lot of names before I got to Adam Clayton. So Roger Waters, number four, uh, wealthiest bass player. A random David Gilmore fact. Prior to joining Pink Floyd, he worked as a model. So, really? Yeah. So uh, for some uh, like I, I didn't dig in too much. I would have felt weird looking up <laughs> David Gilmore model pictures. Yeah, I don't see. I, I don't. And I don't, I don't, don't imagine to, him with glossy shirtless beach yeah. photos. It's yeah. Probably <laughs> yeah. For some sort of like 
Nice gold gym tank top right. there, Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> Jean shorts cut off. That a boy. David Gilmore hitting, hitting the gym. Yeah. Check out my traps, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like, I can't picture him as Uncle Rico. Uh, that's a, that's the, the closest model picture I could get with David Gilmore. I am not done changing out on the run changing I may be old and I may be young but I am not done changing I wanted to get your opinion on the way that this album was released I know we're not talking about albums necessarily but we always do Um, it was released in three waves uh, of I believe four songs each. Four songs. Uh, yeah. So, and this was part of Wave One, which actually came out. The lead single for Wave One came out in late 2016, but no, Wave One came out, I think, in February of 2017. Um, and so it would be <clears throat> four songs released, and then uh, a month later, I think, the second wave of songs, and then a month later, the third wave of songs. Um, did you participate in any of that? Did you uh, did I, you take the album in that way? No, I didn't. I waited till the whole thing came out. You're not a digital guy anyway. Yeah, so I'm not, I couldn't pull it up on my flip phone it, and listen to it. So I just uh, I just waited till the whole actual CD came out. Yeah, and got and got the CD that way. I heard the singles on the radio and on Letterman, different things like or not Letterman, the Tonight Show. <laughs> Letterman. I was watching on Carson. That's right, Johnny Carson. Uh, and uh, I remember tonight. when when Sullivan had him on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, on the Tonight Show, I saw him do his uh, his single. I saw Love on the Weekend. So. Okay. Uh, did you love it on the weekend? Uh, hey. hey. Um, something I've thought about the song as I listened to it, too. I feel like there should be a choir singing the changing line. Oh. Like, he should do the, I am not done, and then this big, huge choir, like, changing. changing. But... <laughs> I guess he doesn't. Maybe for an awards show. Yeah. If he there did you go. it on like the VMAs. John Mayer with Brooklyn Tabernacle <laughs> Choir. Like. Well, you mentioned Montana. You know, he lives in Montana. You know, I did some Montana homework. Did you? You want to hear some random Montana facts? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So the largest snowflake ever recorded was, was in Montana 15 <laughs> inches in diameter. Holy smoke. 15 inch snowflake. Yay, Montana. Wow. There's also more cattle than people in Montana. <laughs> Uh, most dramatic temperature change ever recorded. In 1972, one day it went from negative 59 degrees Fahrenheit to 42 degrees Fahrenheit. Whoa. One day in 72. Go get a Montana. Holy cow, that's like almost 80 degree swing. It's also, over 80 degree swing. It's also the fourth largest state in the United States. You can huh. fit Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, New York, Pennsylvania, and the District of Columbia inside of Montana. <laughs> Do you know the the four largest states? Do you know the other three? Uh, Texas, Alaska, uh, California. Yeah, Alaska's number one. And then and Montana. Then, Interesting. Then I mean, I guess so. If Texas you visualize Trump. it, it makes sense. Um, so that was a Montana sidebar. Yeah. Of course you went and did Montana homework. That's Not amazing. Joe Montana. Not Joe Montana. Uh, I was trying to think of a good Joe Montana joke to throw in. I couldn't do it. I was trying to bring in Dwight Clark. I just couldn't. I didn't Jerry have Rice, it. Jerry Rice, Steve Young. Steve Young. Who knows? Um there was a producer that asked him to just do a rough mix on this album, and he really liked it, and he ended up mixing Tony Braxton's first album. No kidding. So, yeah. Just another sad love song. Hey, Tony Braxton. Thanks, thanks for coming. Look crazy. What's, what's <laughs> <laughs> and she hung around for a little bit. <laughs> Most of the time, they just she, come All right, to, go. Get, get out of here, Tony. Overstage, we're, we're, you're welcome, Tony. Every uh, time. Come on. <laughs> 
I, I just thought of a question that I'd like to ask. Sure, throw it out. Because, because um, Steve Jordan and Pino Palladino have become sort of synonymous with John Mayer. Like sure. They're his most well-known backing band. Backing They've band. made some of his best music with him. If, uh, if you could hook up with another, if you were on guitar, okay. I don't care if you want to sing or not, but if you're on sure. guitar, if you could hook up with a bass and drums duo uh, to, to jam with, to start a band with, who would you want to do? Alive or dead? Okay. I have to think of stylistically what kind of band it would be first okay. to pick my drummer. Um, if, if it was like my, I'd, I'd probably, I'll just pick my favorites. Okay. Um, Portnoy would be my drummer. Okay. Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater would be my drummer. On bass, since I'm not a vocalist, I would want a bass player that could sing. So you're going to go so McCartney? I would, I would go Sting. St- oh, so mm. I would play oh, guitar yeah. in the back, and <laughs> they would be the forefront. I would be, it would be the complete backwards of this, where the front person would actually be the bass player. Okay. And, and I would play guitar with Sting and Portnoy, which the dynamic of that band, I have yeah, no clue what style we would do. I was actually thinking more of like a pre-existing duo. Like they come together as oh, a Oh, they're a pair. Yeah, so like, because you think, you think okay. Jordan and Palladino together. Gotcha. So it would be like so, Portnoy, my, uh, John Mayung. And John Mayung, okay. yeah. Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going not gonna to kick them out. Um, let's think here. I think of like... Give me your... Who would be yours? Well, I, my first instinct, and this is probably just because I'm aware, I, will, I was aware of them as a pairing first, would be like Double Trouble. Okay. Um, well, you know, you uh, well, that, Stevie Ray Vaughan's yeah, backing Stevie band Ray. from back in the day. Uh, or even uh, Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker. Okay. Cream. Cream. Yeah, um, that's a good one. You know, just some of these guys that are like, you always see them together. We're not, whether or not they're like necessarily in bands together, but like Nathan East and any drummer, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. but like Nathan East and Phil Collins. Or, oh yeah. Cause you know they really I mean? did play together. Yeah. I mean, they, they played they together backed a lot. They backed for Clapton on yeah. some of those videos. Man. Yeah. That's a good one right yeah. there. I like that. That would be, you could not go wrong. Yeah. With Nathan set. East and Phil Collins. You're, you're, you're set. Yeah, yeah. You're set. I think that one's settled for okay. me. That's a good one. Yeah. That, that one wins. This was from their seventh album, Escape. I would say their most popular album by by quite a bit. By right? far. Wow. I have just disclosed the inner liner of the album cover to Rob for the first time. Oh, wow. And there is lots of running There's lots in of running. air. They're like, get it? Escape? Escape. Get it? Escape. Oh, man. Great album. Great album. Though. Great album. This album spawned an Atari 2600 game, which yeah. your boy happened to have. Yeah. And uh, you were just basically, it was like an early version of one of these games where you just run and run and run yeah. as long as you can. Uh, and you try to get out of the way of like shifty managers yeah. and groupies, groupies and stuff. stuff. Great game. Yeah. It was, a, I played it a lot and. It. I mean, I guess you know, for an Atari game, it was pretty solid. I don't know. I'd give it a. I'd give it a. I mean, it's no asteroids or anything. It's no, it's no ET. Let me tell you, if you never played ET for Atari Twenty Six Hundred, you're really missing out on the worst invaders. experience of your life. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. So yeah, second single from their seventh album, Escape. I don't know what the first single was. It could have been any number uh, of things. Who's crying of now? Who's is crying now? One? Yeah. Right? No. 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 What am I thinking of? <laughs> Who's crying? What is? No, what am I thinking you of? just sang the riff to. Uh, <laughs> oh, pause. You just sang that Baker oh, Street oh, riff oh, on saxophone. Yes. That's a sax. What so, am I thinking of? Oh. Oh, I'm terrible. Yeah. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> oh snap! Hold pa- on. Pa- I gotta pa- cleanse my palate. Pa- <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. So let me explain what just happened. We, we had to pause our recording here so that I could get this out of my head because I know there was some reason that that song got triggered. That is, I was thinking of Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty. Uh, and I know you know this song, but it's definitely, I was like, as I'm singing it, I'm going, wait, why do, would they have a saxophone solo in a Journey <laughs> song? And so anyway, I had to figure out what triggered that song. So we went and tracked it down, listened to the lyric right before, uh, right before the saxophone. The phone thing. Okay, so I hardly, I hardly think I'm to blame. Okay, no, I'm a thousand percent to blame because I should have known better. Uh, but you're crying now, and even in the same kind of rhythmic thing as "Who's crying now? You're crying now." Okay, I forgive myself. You don't have to, dear listener. You do not have to forgive me, but I forgive myself. I'm just out here trying to live my truth. Okay, so leave me alone now. Just kidding. Uh, Who's Crying Now by Journey went a little something like this. So you see where I could have made an innocent mistake. I mean, <laughs> something anybody could have done confusing Journey for Jerry Rafferty. If confusing- I forgive him, y'all should too. <laughs> confusing a saxophone for neil sean it could, it could happen to you don't laugh at me dear listener no no anyway we, we know you guys are here to listen to us talk about crocheted bathing suits <laughs> But uh, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid we're going to have to get to some music here at some point. Okay, apparently Don Henley has a reputation for being a pretty serious guy. He does not enjoy being trifled with. Um, He is now, like if you go see Don Henley in concert, you have to give up your phone as you enter. I didn't know that. Like it's, he's kind of a stickler. It'd be like, what is that if I handed it to him? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Never mind. You you can keep yours. You can keep yours, sir. You're (laughs) okay. Just hang on to it. Just play snake. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mickey Dolan's of the Monkeys. I thought he was yes, pretty good. good call. I've seen him. I've seen them twice. Good call. So he really? made my list. Hold on, pause. You've twice. seen the Monkeys twice. Just two. Well, there's just two. You, two remaining. Two remaining. Because Mickey and Davey are both. Yeah. Well, no, no longer with us, right? Mickey. I saw the Monkeys twice. No, I, maybe I, I haven't seen Mickey. Sorry, I saw Davey and it's whichever two are alive. I've seen them twice at the Ryman. Sorry, Monkeys fans. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I should know, no, but now I feel like Peter, I'm confused. Are Mickey and Davey both dead, or is Mickey uh, still alive? Let's do some homework. Let's oh, pause and look that up. Man. Here we come. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, okay, so, we, did, we had to take a pause break there because we don't know our monkeys we, <laughs> trivia as well. <laughs> you know, it's I just, have seen Mickey. It's hard to keep up with the monkeys. Uh, uh, listen. Only Davey, Mickey Dolans, if you're listening... I'm so sorry. I thought you were dead. <laughs> we'll get you on the next one and I interview mean, you. I feel like you deserve better. I, I'm like, I know the monkeys just released a new album. Surely Mickey was on it. 
But then I thought, I don't know. I'm just, I'm real sorry. Great singer. Mickey, Mickey I'm very you're sorry. a great you're singer. You're one of our favorite you're singing drummers. You're our favorite drummers. singing drummers. You made the top five. Oh. Um, uh, okay, the lyric to the chorus says, uh, you can lay your head back on the ground, let your hair fall all around me, offer up your best defense, this is the end of the innocence, okay? That line has always felt a little rapey. Yeah. yeah. Just a little bit rapey. I wish I would have done that creepy laugh there. That was terribly <laughs> tough. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined your blind tie affair. The last one to know, the last one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there. And I saw a surprise. This song was actually leaked early um, by Garth Brooks's mom. Did you hear this? I didn't know that. Okay, so Garth's mom uh, accidentally leaked the song to an Oklahoma radio station. Um, and I don't know if it was in an interview or if she's just sent it to them. I, I'm not sure exactly, but she gave them the song before it was supposed to be released. And it caused this big uproar, like people demanding to hear the song where how, I got to have this now immediately, this frenzy. And so it actually caused them to rush production of the single and the subsequent album. Uh, they released it earlier than than was intended because of the demand for the song that Garth's mom leaked. So huh. thanks, Garth's mom. <laughs> A month after Garth's album came out, this song was covered uh, also by a guy named Mark Chestnut, who you, if you're if you're familiar with 90s country, you may remember Mark Chestnut. Uh, he had the album uh, and the song uh, Too Cold at Home. Dude, how much does he hate Garth Brooks? Right. Like how much does he hate Garth Brooks mom? <laughs> Dude, he's got true. some good your mom jokes. He could have beat him to the finish line if Garth's Dude, mom hadn't you know leaked that. that song. Isn't that crazy? Is there anything you don't like about the song? Anything at all? Because I have something that I don't like. Oh, please tell I'll me. give a, a thing. I, I hate the way he sings the word in at the end of that ivory tower that you're living in. Yeah. Because I'm like, is he saying in? Is he saying on? Is he trying to be too vocally correct? Yeah. The ending of that. Let's take a listen. Okay. Listen let's... to the way he sings the end of this line. Hey, I didn't mean to cause a big scene. Just give me an hour and then. What the heck is that? I kind of feel you. What the heck? That doesn't that doesn't deter me from the song. Like I've never thought, man, I hate that. But I have noticed that even as a kid, I was like, why do you do that? How do you spell that? Like I think (laughs) I think it's one of those things that maybe that note fell in a weird spot in his range. And so if he had said, if he had pronounced it in, it probably would have come off really nasally. So it would have gone, you're living in. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's just, he's trying to open his mouth a little bit and make it more full. But it is kind of weird. To reach the masses. Yeah, I don't like that. Wow. I have seen Garth. Li- oh, actually, ironically enough, highlight of my, I don't know if I told you this, I met Garth that night. Behind the Ryman. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. That's the yeah. story I'm thinking so of. So same, same night, um, I actually met him. Um, behind there, super nice guy. And the only thing I knew to say was, you're Garth Brooks. And he was like, yes. And then he got bombarded and I didn't even get my moment. No photo, no. I actually, for those of y'all that know me, I still carry a flip phone. So I had my flip phone and had my moment to snap a picture with Garth, but it was a flip phone and it didn't turn out. Um, and then, oh. I, and then, yeah, it's awful. So it's of the side of the ramen and a random hat. Um, <laughs> so a cowboy hat. So I, people believe that it was Garth, but it wasn't even Garth's hat. 
pull up the lyric on this song, read it, like study this lyric. If you're a songwriter, look at every single way. Okay, blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots, ruined your black tie affair. Genius. That's my favorite part of the entire song. Last one to know, last one to show. Uh, I was the last one you thought you'd see there. I saw the surprise, the fear in his eyes when I took his glass of champagne. I toasted you, and then here's where the turn is. Like, it honestly, you think he's going to punch this guy in the nose, right? You think this this gruff, you know, cowboy uh, has come into this thing. To win back the love of his life. Yeah, and he's going to lay this guy out in the middle of a fancy restaurant. Nah. He takes, he takes this guy's champagne, and instead of breaking the glass over the guy's head, he's like, you know what? Have fun. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I'm going to be okay. I'm headed down to the Oasis. You can catch me down there. When this guy's when this guy's done with you, you know, you can find me down at the bar and I'll be just fine. Yeah. You know why? Because I got friends in low places. Such a great turn on a phrase that everybody's familiar with. It's one of those things where occasionally if you're a writer, you'll hear a song and it'll have an amazing hook. That's that's a play on a phrase that everybody knows. And you go, how did somebody not think of that sooner? How did somebody not come up with that hook until, you know, 1990? Like it's such all the country writers out there. Yeah. I mean, everybody's everybody's singing about bars and drinking and whatever. How did Johnny Cash not write this song? Exactly. Johnny Cash, George Jones. Somebody should have written this song before 1990. Something, I, I, something, something was being held back for Garth, you know, in the cosmos, <laughs> in order for this song to be to be made. Um, because with a phrase as ubiquitous as you know, friends in high places, like somebody should have turned that around before 1990. That's all I'm saying. It's amazing. And he, That's a pretty broad range of this song. Listen, I broke it down. Like, what's the low note of the song and the high note? Okay, or, so this is a surprisingly rangy song. It's sneakily God's rangy. God's not known for range. He's no Mariah Carey, but yeah. let's hear this. Okay, so this song covers two octaves plus one whole step. Wow. So we're in the we're in the key of A. a. Okay. So, it's so what's we've the got low note. I've got friends in low places, is which is a, a low, low a. a. Okay. Okay. Where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. And this is the really low note of the song. And I'll be I don't even have that note. It's a low E. Okay. So that's an that's an E below that low A. And then your high note is also in the chorus. Oh, uh, I'm not big on social graces. Just slip on down to the oasis. So that's going to be an F sharp if you're in the key of A. <clears throat> so you're talking about from the low E, two octaves up, plus one more whole step to get to that F sharp. Okay, so for comparison, the notoriously rangy national anthem of the United States, the Star Spangled Banner is notoriously difficult because of the because of the the range that you have to be able to have to pull it off right that's an octave and a fifth that's six whole steps fewer than or that's a sixth no, not six whole not steps six, six. it is a sixth lower fewer smaller than the range of friends in low places how about that you ever heard a really bad national anthem Oh yeah! What's the one that immediately? It's Carl Carl Lewis. Lewis. Yes, yes, Carl Lewis. That's awesome. Oh man! No offense, Carl. Fast runner, great at running. If you don't remember Carl Lewis, (laughs) nineteen ninety two Olympics. I don't know. uh, Late eighties, early nineties. 
uh, U.S. Olympian, fantastic, may have had world records, gold hey. medals at the time, uh, sang, <laughs> sang the national anthem at an NBA game. It was a basketball game, yeah. Oh, it's Man, so bad. It's look it up. Do yourself a favor. Look up Carl Lewis national anthem. Do it. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, it is well worth your time. It's it's worth a save. Uh, he gets <laughs> he gets to the high note and he's literally already he's already yeah it's it's, 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 it's bad. not any good to begin with. He's not a singer, um, but he says um, he goes and the rockets and he doesn't have and then he says <laughs> he says oh. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, and then it, like it's the national anthem. Like, listen, the national anthem is a, is a hot topic of controversy right now. If you want to talk about disrespecting the national anthem, Carl ladies Lewis. and gentlemen, Carl Lewis oh, man. took a big fat poo on the national anthem. <laughs> he gets to the last line. And he go. He literally has the nerve to say this. He goes, "I'm gonna make it up to you now." <laughs> this guy says, "I'm gonna make it up to you now," and he goes. And then he tries and realizes he doesn't have it. Changes the melody. Uh, or the land of the free. like a key change. Yeah. According to the prophecy. <laughs> let it be let it be done. Are there any songs of this length? I know like Hey Jude when it came out it was a big deal cuz it was like 7 minutes seven long minutes and I said Well the original to this one is like 7 minutes and something. Right. So. Yeah, that's what I even the studio version of this is a lengthy song. Yeah. Um are there any other like just crazy long songs that still get airplay? Any long Layla, I guess, would be one. Yeah, it's, if you, you know, include the piano outro, which, which, if you ever listen to Layla and shut it off before the piano <laughs> thing, we are no longer friends. No, no, uh, we're done. That That's is the best part of the entire song. Sacrilege, yes, to not include the piano part of the song. But I heard a radio station do that uh, just a few weeks ago for the first time ever, and I was just enraged, like completely washed over with anger. And this is why our podcasts that are supposed to be seven minutes end up being 40 minutes. Let's so not get ourselves. Okay. Okay. This is going to be, I mean, the song itself is 14. Yeah. So just, <laughs> if we're going to break down every second. Just buckle in, everybody. We're going to be here for a minute. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a long, lengthy album. It is all very good. It includes several tracks that you're still hearing on the radio today, including his version of uh, Baby, I Love Your Way. Uh, which has one of the laziest lyrics I felt like I've ever heard, which is, and he's not the only one to do this, but Ooh, baby, I love your way every, every day because it rhymes. And, and show me the way is also on here. <laughs> That's true. Show me the way the is going to be the, the other song the that, other. You're, that you're still hearing on the radio. And he's a strict vegetarian. So be aware of that when you go to a Peter Frampton concert. Don't offer him. Don't meat. offer him a Big Mac. <laughs> he will uh, not be. Hey, buddy. And Peter Frampton, you want to go grab a steak? is the third one listed in order Brutal. of the name Higher Ground. There's a song by somebody called, who I probably should know for me, Odessa and Naomi Wild, 
is the number one higher ground song. Okay, that's modern. That's EDM. D- different that's modern. song. Number two is the Chili Peppers song, and number three is the Stevie song. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, and then immediately followed by Argonaut and Wasp and a John Denver version. Ew. Not of this song. Completely oh, okay. different song. Awful song. Off an awful album. I love John Denver, but please do yourself a favor. Let's actually start with that John Denver clip. Let's play this. This is not the song we're covering. Listen to this awful song. hang with us for a second. R.I.P. John Denver, but listen to this. There are those who can live with the things they don't believe in. They are giving up their lives For something that is less than it can be Some have longed for a home and a place of So that is not the song we are going to be listening to today. Wow. Yes. Um, okay, you remember on Beavis and Butthead when they would be watching music videos and they would make fun of them? And sometimes it would just go to a clip of them with just horrified faces <laughs> yeah. and they wouldn't be saying anything. <laughs> That was me (laughs) listening to that just now. Higher Ground uh, by Stevie Wonder, born Steveland Hardaway Judkins Morris. What? Yes. Steveland, Steveland, like Steve Land. Steveland Hardaway, obviously named after Tim Hardaway. Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Judkins, named after Judd. Judkins, I don't know, Morris after Zach Morris. Uh, Steveland Hardaway Judkins Morris. Yes. AKA Little Stevie Wonder, as he became known in his teens uh, when he started just blowing everybody's minds playing the piano. So there's a, a, a Stevie Wonder kind of flop that I love. Okay. Um, but it's, and it's also, it should have been a huge song um, because it was his duet with Michael Jackson on Bad. Are you familiar with uh, the song "Just uh, Just Good Friends" on the song "Bad"? No. Oh I, man, I, it's a, okay. If first of all, if you look at the track listing of "Bad," it's just one banger after, after another. Hit, it's yeah. like an all-time great Absolutely. list of songs. And then, and then in the middle of it is this song that just <laughs> I love it. It's got amazing harmonies, amazing uh, chord structure in it, and I just love everything about it. I love the story of the song, uh, the the story that it tells. I think it's amazing. And then I realized that every like historian, I'm watching the 25th anniversary Michael Jackson bad documentary and Quincy Jones is on there sure. and he's talking about every song and how great it is and whatever. And he was like, yeah, let's not talk about that one. Like what? They don't <laughs> literally like was like, and this so literally I promise they took like, this is like a 90 minute documentary on the making of bad and you know, it's impact and blah, blah, blah. They literally almost just entirely skipped over this duet with Stevie wonder. It's that derided. And I'm not sure why I love it. But even Stevie Wonder, they had a clip. <laughs> they had a clip of him on there. It's like ten seconds, and he says, "He said, yeah, I told him next time we do a, do a duet, I'm writing the song." <laughs> <laughs> Three days after Inversions was released, uh, Stevie was in a car accident. He was the passenger. He was not driving. For those of y'all that know Stevie Wonder, he was not driving the car. Um, his friend John Harris was driving, and he was in a car accident. Ran into the back of another log truck, I think it was, or something. A log yeah. came in. Log truck came into the window. Yep. Um, he was in a coma for four days, and he can no longer smell as a result of this accident. So, so not weird. only think about us that value smell so much. Imagine if we were already one sense short oh. and then they take smell from us. That's so, insane. Yeah. Okay. 
And and the legend says, the story goes, uh, that this song, Higher Ground, basically awoke him from his coma. Yeah. Uh, Somebody that, was singing it to him in the hotel or in his hospital. In bed? his in his hospital room, yeah. his his tour manager uh, started singing "Higher Ground." He was he was uh, he was trying to like talk to him and get him to respond. Yelled in his ear, couldn't get him to respond to anything, and eventually started singing "Higher Ground" loudly in his ear. And they said Stevie's fingers started moving in in time with the song, and that was the first response he had given at all since the accident. Yeah. And that was his first sort of sign of that he was going to make it through. I got to bring some correction on this. Um, cause I've heard you say, and the first time I just didn't think anything of it. The second time I heard you say it, I was like, I got to address this. I got to address this. The album is not inversions. It's inner visions. Oh my gosh. Inner visions. It's all one word. It's done as all one word, but it is inner, not inner, inversions. It's inner visions. Oh gosh. How we got to do this whole podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Hey, we all make mistakes. <clears throat> okay. So, um, I have it even written down right. I just can't read. <laughs> well, now you know how Stevie Wonder feels. <laughs> oh, we cannot post this. <laughs> oh, come on now. Come oh, on. Dude, no. We're going to make it through. All right. <laughs> uh, do you know anything? Did you do any homework on the Red Hot Chili Peppers version? No. Did you? Anything? It's on Mother's Milk, which yep. is an awful album. It's <laughs> terrible. Um, I actually, there's a song on there that I was so excited to hear because it's called Magic Johnson and I'm a huge 1987 Lakers fan, but it's just as crude as any song called Magic Johnson is. So don't listen to that, please. If so, hide the children. Do not listen to Magic Johnson on Mother's Milk. So it's what you really oh expected to be coming from, from the Chili Peppers. From the Chili Peppers, coming yeah. Coming from the guys who wore a sock on stage. Yeah, right. How many, how many bad um like teenage church bands have covered the song how many do you oh think? man like just yeah. millions a right? lot just yeah. so many of them and then not really even thinking about it's one of those things where you don't think about the lyrics you know you You're just like, here's go, a song i can play in church here's a song I, yeah here's i think you can get away with it yeah. yeah and so yeah or play higher ground and then you start like somebody listens to the lyrics and like taps taps them on the shoulder and they're like um you're on probation do you know what <laughs> So I'm going to ask you to not play next week. You know what you're singing? This yeah. isn't like, we don't hold to these teachings, anybody. Sorry. Um. <laughs> so you can do a Switchfoot song. Instead. Yeah. Just do, just, just do Switchfoot like everybody else and we'll be fine. Uh, what's that? I heard Chris Tomlin's got a new one. Yeah. Let's, let's go with that. Let's just be safe. The um, opening bits of uh, Too High on side one of, uh, of Intervisions uh, has this sort of melody that I've never heard anything like it before nor since. Um, and it's really unique. And every time, and every time I hear it, I go, man, that's cool. Like, that's good. That's solid. And to be able to pull it off, uh, you know, every time the way he does is, is very cool. Cause it's something you kind of have to think about. Like you, you kind of have to hear it coming and, and then be able to execute it. So mad props to Stevie wonder. I know you're out there listening. Uh, I know you ain't reading. <laughs> we have made way um, too many blind references. Jeez, right, you got, Okay, how, we're gonna get canceled for this. No, we're, yeah. this is free, and we're still gonna get canceled. We'll push this way out. Ronnie Millsaps is blind. Oh, good call. Um, a stranger in my house. Andre Bocelli. Do you know he was blind? Yes, 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 yes. Because he kind of always looks lost. Yes, he's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh God, okay. we're, we're done. I, no, okay. I got to go back though. If we're gonna be mean, I'm just gonna be mean all the way because I used to always think when I was a kid, when I was a kid, um, Ronnie Millsaps had this song on the radio <laughs> called "Stranger in My House." He had several big hits. He's a huge country artist in, in the '80s. But there's a lyric. It's it's uh, <laughs> there's a stranger in my house. This is the chorus. So he says it multiple times. <laughs> there's there's a stranger in my, in my house. There's somebody here that I can't see. And I always oh, went, well, no, no man. Oh, God. Uh, do you think, do you, like, surely these guys have a sense of humor sure. about all these because right lyrics that you throw out all the time about seeing and yeah. visual stuff. They've got to have a sense of humor sure. about this, right? Yeah, I mean, go with- uh, I remember, um, do you remember Jenny Owens? Yes. I ran into her. Did I ever just, like literally ran into her? <laughs> I was at, don't hold me for this. I was at an Avalon concert. Hey, I proposed to my wife after an Avalon concert. Oh my gosh. We we're just becoming best friends. And, uh, I can't, I'm walking through the door, bam, hit her with a door. <laughs> no. And she was like holding out her hand, like just oh. said Jenny. And I grabbed her hand out of there and shook her hand. Wow. Jenny Owens. The story goes, now I've not been able to verify this in my research, but this is the story uh, that that I understood to be true about this song. Um, that in writing for this album, they had taken, a, you know, taken their songs for it to their uh, record label. And the guy at the record label said, there's not a breakout hit on this album yet. There's not a, there's not a breakout um you know, there's not a hit, hit, hit on this that's going to get massive radio airplay, and we need a hit. So, uh, kind of incensed about that, John Popper then turns around and writes Hook, which is essentially a snarky, um, very meta-textual, like it's, it's, it, it breaks down the fourth wall about songwriting in a hundred different ways. And, and basically this song is a commentary on itself that talks about the fact that as long as I sing with inflection and with passion in my voice, um, and we give you something that is familiar and comfortable to you, that you will listen to it and you will like it and you'll ha- call your radio station and have them play it, um, yeah, it's basically no substance, but it doesn't matter because the hook brings you back. Right. Like, doesn't matter. It's basically, they take this entire song to tell you, we're not saying anything, and we're not breaking any new ground at all, and we're telling you that we're not telling you anything, and you're not going to care, because if we do it the right way, and we push all the right buttons, it doesn't matter. You're going to want to hear it again anyway. Knowing that part of this song is our acknowledgement that we don't think you are a discerning enough listener to even care that we're just feeding you crap. Um, on drums, Brendan Hill, drums and percussion. Um, he lives in Bainbridge Island, Washington now and owns a pot store. Not uh, old time pottery. Not old time pottery. Do you know right. any other like pottery stores? I, I was trying to think of a reference. I was like old time pottery. Yeah, old time pottery is the, the only one, one I, I know. Of. We live in Tennessee, so like you drive into 
uh, like Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and you have the old time pottery like outlets, outlets and whatever, just big red signs that say old time pottery. Yeah, that's uh, Pottery Barn. Pottery Barn. Oh, Although yeah, they don't, do they sell actual I pottery? Know, I, don't in, they sell like beds and stuff? I don't hang out in anyway. the Pottery Barn that much. Hey, let us know. If you're a pottery dealer if and we you'd were, like to sponsor the Great <laughs> yeah, I was Song say, Podcast. If we were close to a sponsorship, we'll take either one of you. Old Time, Pottery Barn, <laughs> Ma's Pottery. We pot, pot, pot store. That's Mr. Right. Chattanooga Mr. Pottery. Hey. It doesn't matter. And on vocals, guitar and harmonica, uh, John Popper collects weapons, firearms, <laughs> swords. He has a $10,000 cannon from the Civil War. Wow. He has a cannon from the Civil War worth $10,000. Look, $10, let's be honest. Let's be honest. If you if you looked at John Popper, especially in like early mid-90s, if you looked at John Popper and started just guessing things about him, you would get to collect swords pretty early <laughs> in that list. <laughs> I think, yeah, like you would. It would not take long yeah. to get to like go to Renaissance fairs, yeah. collect swords. You would get there way Dungeons before and you. Dragons undershirt. Yes, absolutely. Probably. You would get. You would get there much faster than you would get world class harmonica rock and player. roll star. Like yeah, yeah. like you know, one of the best harmonica soloists to ever grace yeah. the instrument. You would get you would get to collect weaponry <laughs> much <laughs> much sooner than you would get to that. I was just trying. I looked up a few songs that reference Peter or that are kind of Peter Pan related. This one I didn't realize was about Peter Pan until I looked it up. Celine Dion's "It's All Coming Back to Me Now" is apparently about a middle aged Wendy in her twenties remembering the Peter Pan story. No, never way. knew that till I just started looking up stuff that, you know, songs related to Peter Pan. And I went pretty deep and straight and I looked this one up. I, the most, yeah. I hate Celine Dion. Yeah. Well, I, I put that one in the middle because I wanted to end with uh, Metallica, Inner Sandman, obviously Inter- yeah. take my hand off okay. the never, never Land. Yeah. 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 Little Peter okay. Pan reference. Interesting but. note. Uh, it's all coming back to me now. We may, I can't remember if we've talked about. I feel like we hit this song that it was written, written for Meatloaf, for uh, or at least by uh, his collaborator, uh, Jim uh, Jim Brickman. Is that right? Jim Brickman's a piano player. Oh shoot, Jim Steinman. Okay, Jim Steinman, uh, the guy that wrote tons of stuff with Meatloaf. He wrote I, "I'll Do Anything for Love," but I won't do that. <laughs> and then if you think about this is the same. If concept. you think about that song in that context, same you go, video. Oh, of course. Like I could just as easily hear Meatloaf mm-hmm. singing this song as Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. Is that the there were days when the sun was so cold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's very operatic oh, in its God delivery, man. and She's it's all got spinning that... around in a dress. And yeah, that's just oh man, that's about Wendy. Yeah, it's about that's middle-aged insane. Wendy, Peter Pan. Wow. Now, oh, I'm angry because I'm going to have to force myself to go back and listen to a Celine Dion song, and that's something I just never hoped I would have to do again. Oh, well, that's heartbreaking. Um, Man, okay. And what was the, I'm sorry, that Metallica was the last one. Yes. yes. Okay, Metallica. off to Never Never Land. Yeah. Whoa. Um, that was, James Hetfield, thanks for stopping by, buddy. Hey, I, I'm sorry. I know Man, you got to run, but uh, I appreciate you coming by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, it's been a while since we had a special guest. So yeah, it's we good to special have special guests all the time. Thanks for good to sticking your head in there, James. Thanks, James. Good to Next see you. Next time, bring Kirk Hammett. We yeah. like him better. Bang. Bang. That sheriff is dead. That's all I know. There's some question about. 
who shot the deputy. I think that is probably the mystery surrounding the whole song. But we know who didn't shoot the deputy. No, it, it was not. If you believe Bob Marley, and if you believe Eric Clapton, it wasn't them. And if you believe Warren G. If you believe Warren G., who has a surprisingly decent cover of this song. Oh, we'll touch on that later. I got um, some Warren G. nuglets. Also, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, that if you asked Shaggy, he would probably say that it was not him either. Yes, it was. Oh, well, good job on that. I, it wasn't I, I think if you asked Shaggy, he would probably say, I wasn't me. If you asked Shaggy anything, that's the answer to his question. I wasn't me. That is Rob doing Shaggy. No, that's we got Shaggy. Oh, we in have Shaggy. Special, special guest, guest Shaggy. Shaggy, it's good to see you, buddy. How you been? Well, look, I'm just little happy to be here. Not uh, Shaggy from Scooby Doo. No. Shaggy from. I can't. Can you do Mr. Shaggy from Scooby Doo? No, oh, man. I look like him. I, got, I feel like you should be able to do that pretty well. I'm sorry. If you, I'll tell you this, uh, and I'm just going to say it. This might not be a popular opinion, but I'm just going to say it and confront you with the truth. If you, if you believe Eric Clapton and you don't believe Bob Marley, you're a racist. There's something wrong with you. Congratulations. Robert Nesta Marley. Would Nesta. Not, Nesta. Wow. Yeah. And that was actually his uh, parents called him Nesta. His mom called him Nesta, but his friends told him that that sounded too girly. So he went to Robert, a.k.a. Bob Marley. Wow. Aston Francis Family Man Barrett. Wow. Family Man actually at the time of this recording had no children, <laughs> but they called him Family Man because he was the uh, father of the band. He basically ran the band. Interesting. The, and if you listen to Marley's version of I Shot the Sheriff, my favorite part is the bass, the way it drives the song. Yeah. I love the way Family Man, Aston Francis Barrett, Plays the bass. Uh, and ironically enough, Family One now has 41 children. 41? From zero with the Whalers to 41. Wow. Eh. Do you think he was just like, well, you know what? One of these days I got to start living up to this Let's nickname. do this. Let's do this. I'm, I am assuming that as you read his name out loud, Family Man is in quotes. That Family that Man is in quotes. It's not a real name. Okay. Aston Francis Barrett. But family man, and for those that were really close to him, they could get away with calling him fams, but I'm not on that level yet. So we'll just go with the name in quotes, family man. Is the deputy even dead? He said it, he may not even be shot. That's a good question. He could have left Barney. That's true. All five, know, five could be running around. It actually doesn't say that anybody actually did shoot the deputy. He's just saying, I, he didn't, said, I didn't. I didn't shoot him. It doesn't say somebody shot the deputy, but it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> Welcome back, Shaggy. It wasn't Shaggy either. Thanks for coming. All right, see you later, Shaggy. Well, thanks, Shaggy. All right, we're going solo, girls. <laughs> of a dead celebrity, deceased. He's number six on the deceased list. Yes, of monetary monetary value. Really? Yes, he's number six. Is uh, this musicians or celebrities? Like? Period. Celebrities. Wow. Number six. Um, how many do you think you can get? I've got the top seven because I wanted to know just who he beat out. I'll give you number seven, just who he beat out. Dr. Seuss. Theodore no. Seuss. Yeah. Wow. Gil I think his last name is Gillisley or something like Gillis. Okay. I should have written that down. But Dr. Seuss, number seven. Okay. So nice job, uh, okay, so Dr. I, Marley. i got to think outside musicians. Think outside here. the musicians. Are, are there any musicians in the top There's six? There's one, two. Okay. I'm going to guess for those two, Elvis Presley. 
Elvis actually is number four. Number four. There's three in the top five. Uh, so you got Elvis number four. Is this, is this post Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson. Okay. So that's. Are there no, any other musicians? Michael Jackson's number one. Okay. So there's number one. You got one and four. Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley. There's one more musician. I'm going to guess Frank Sinatra. That would be. Is Frank Sinatra dead? Yeah. Just go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, he did not make this list. Um, but it's a current, well, semi current deceased. When, okay. Uh, uh, within the past three years. Oh no! I Prince. Number, oh oh oh! Number five. Yeah, within the past what year? I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Prince. Okay, Prince. So that leaves that leaves two. That leaves number two and number three. Number two is a I don't know how he, he's mostly known for his cartoons on movies, mainly around Christmas time. Charles Schultz. Char- oh really? Peanuts guy. Wow. Yeah, Charles Schultz. Look at t- look at Bob Marley and Charles Schultz building an empire. Oh my goodness. They Jeez are racking Louise. Up, racking up the dough. Number three, um, golfer. Uh Jack Nicholas. The other no, one. No, he's alive. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. I wow. actually offered Rob a Ronald Palmer when he came in tonight, but he declined and went with the water. Wow. Yeah. Known for the the drink, the Arnold Palmer and Man. the golfer. Number three. So there's your top six, seven, if you include Seuss, uh, Michael Jackson, Charles Schultz, Arnold Palmer, Elvis, Prince, and then uh, Robert Nesta Marley. Wow. Number six. That uh, seems like a really strange name to be included in that in list. In that list. That's right. I Shot the Sheriff. I, I'm astonished by this. I Shot the Sheriff is Eric Clapton's only number one hit in the United States. That's shocking to me. The, the career that he's had since the 60s has... Not Layla. Not Layla. Not Wonderful Tonight. Not Wonderful Tonight. Not Mainline Florida, which is <laughs> the last track on 461. I mean, After Midnight. I mean, I, literally, I got to see Clapton live uh, a few years ago. I was at that show. And it was hit after hit after hit after hit for... After two, Wallflowers? Two hours. He, did, he didn't even do Layla. He did That's so right. many songs... He left out Layla because I don't know if there wasn't time or if he's just sick of it. But I would just think surely one of those other songs went number one. No, it's I shot the sheriff and nothing else. Uh, One thing you probably notice kind of immediately is that the melody is a little different. Uh, Marley's version starts out. I shot the sheriff and goes sheriff goes down. And uh, Clapton's version literally just flips those notes. I shot the sheriff. Same notes, just reverse order. And then um, what becomes the rest of the melody line in Marley's version is, but I did not shoot the deputy. Clapton's is, but I did not shoot the deputy. It's basically takes Marley's version and makes it a harmony part to what Clapton's version becomes. He's, but I did not shoot the deputy. And the, if you, you could literally sing Marley's line over the top of it and you're singing in harmony. With Clapton's are version. they in the same key? Um, I they, know. I believe, they are in the same key. They're very, very, very close. Albie Galutin, um, he co-wrote all the BG stuff. Staying alive, not fever. You should be dancing. Okay, here's th- listen. To all these people he played with. I was writing down the list, and then I noticed a similarity: Diana Ross, Dolly Parton, Olivia Newton-John, Barbara Streisand. I'm like, wait a minute, these are all, all ladies, yeah. all ladies. So I got through this whole list: Aretha Franklin. Dion Warwick. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Is he like a, a pimp or what? And then at the end, <laughs> Kenny Loggins, which can be maybe characterized. I don't know. I'm a Kenny Loggins fan. so. Um, and he is currently a technology executive at Sony. 
And he's a he's a big interesting. So What's his player? name again? Albie Galutin. And Albie, if you're listening, and I botched your name, it's A L B H Y. I'm going to go with Albie. Albie. It could be Albie, but I'll go with Albie. <laughs> Albie. So sorry, Albie. <laughs> Great piano work on wow. I Shot the Sheriff. Uh, on I, I've never I've had to stay away from uh, from his stuff. Most of his stuff that he plays on. I can't listen to because <laughs> I'm a glutinous yes, tolerant. Yes. Oh, oh man. I got, this, awesome. I got this gluten allergy. That it just, was so good. <laughs> just How did I not pick up on that? That's where you're going. Oh. But overall, just a really fun song. A great song. Um, I, I prefer the Clapton version. I prefer the, the Marley and the Whalers version. And nobody prefers the Warren G version. <laughs> Except for maybe Nate Dog. Except for maybe Nate Dog. Which one is... Warren G is dead, right? Didn't Warren G die a few years ago? Probably. Here's what I know. I know <laughs> either alive. Warren G, Snoop is Snoop living. Alive and kicking. Snoop alive. He did a show with Kid Rock the other night here. <clears throat> really? I bet yeah. that was something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Either Warren G or Nate Dogg died, and Yahoo posted the picture of the <laughs> other one. So they had the headline, uh, and I think it was... Maybe it was, I think it was Warren G that died. Look it up on your special phone. Okay. All right. Hang tight. One second. Let's look it I'm up. going to look this up while we're talking about it. Play regulator while you look that up. Play a sampling. <laughs> Why of don't regulator. you just give us a tasteful rendition? No? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you were about to hit the play button uh, nope. on the cassette player over there. No, I don't have it. Okay. So Warren G uh, is apparently still alive. Nate Dog died March 15th, 2011. And when he died, they posted a picture of Warren G on Yahoo. Um, and so it was very confusing. I mean, six years later, I still don't know which one's dead and alive. <laughs> so uh, apologies to Warren G. I know you're listening. Uh, I know you're a big fan of the podcast. So <laughs> thanks for um, the support. Thanks for the support. I apologize for saying that you were. I dead. will sing regulator next time out of nowhere. Next time. I'll be prompted. Special edition acoustic acapella version of regulate um got to be handy with the steel if you know what i mean earn your keep rob's drinking his mountain dew ice yeah aka sprite okay it's, it's just sprite i don't More know like upper 10 they're like they're like they called up Sprite and they were like, "Hey, can you just put some of your stuff in our bottles?" And like, I don't know, would like just let us keep the money or? And apparently Sprite was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" It's no Mountain Lightning, but it looks pretty tasty. <laughs> Doctor Thunder. Doctor Thunder. Doctor, I bet you've encountered in your day some great generic uh, yeah. cola names. You want to hear about? You want to hear my Doctor Doctor Pepper list? I yes. Used to, let's see. Please. We got Doctor Wow. That's the one that's at Food City. We got Doctor Thunder. Doctor Perfect. I think that's one from Kmart, maybe or something. Doctor Perfect. Dr. Pro, yeah. My favorite one ever. I found it at a beach somewhere. It must have been Florida. It was called Dr. Schnee. <laughs> like, no, it was not. I promise. I still have the can. It still had like five E's. <laughs> Terry Hooper, if you're listening out there, you can verify that we drank a can of Dr. Schnee and I have an unopened can in my bedroom still. I'm going to bring it next week and show Rob the oh, Dr. Schnee can. If you look up Life is a Highway on iTunes, and pr I'm probably on YouTube too, I'm guessing, but definitely on iTunes, the first version that comes up is the Rascal Flats version. And on a scale of one to a million, I hate the Rascal Flats <laughs> version 50 million. <laughs> 
and you can listen to them side by side and you could argue that they're virtually identical. You could make the case that they didn't do anything different. But let me tell you, they murdered, (laughs) not in a good way, destroyed the soul of Life is a Highway with the version that Rascal Flatts covered uh, for the movie Cars, the Disney movie Cars, which hit number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Their version charted almost as high as Tom Cochran's original version. It sold over three million copies in the U.S. But man, do I hate it. And let me tell you why. First of all, what do you think about it? How, where do you stand? No judgment. No, uh, well, I'm a big Larry the Cable Guy fan, so <laughs> I gotta, I'm just done. Uh, Listen, I, we watch Cars in my house every day. Yeah. I have a two-year-old, and every morning the first thing he wants to see is Cars. So I've heard this song. It should have grown on me by now. It will never. I refuse. I don't hate it. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't hate it with the passion that you hate it. I knew from the first line when the vocals came in, that I was going to hate it. Okay. Um, because of the rhythm in which they sing the first line. Um, so the original version, it goes one, two, three, four loves like a road that's traveling on. There's one. Okay. Right. And the rascal flats version goes one, two, three, four loves like a road that you're traveling Ah. on. And I'm like, Ooh, so the like is on the Get down. Get back to your show choir <laughs> yeah. and stop ruining this American Canadian classic. <laughs> uh, it just bothered me immediately. Yeah. And then they get to the super chippy, super chipper. Love is a highway. And like, get your auto tune off this song and stop singing it. Their like, windows up. Air conditioner yeah. on. Yes, yes, exactly. In their Mercedes. In their, yeah, their like, luxury car. Yes, like, ugh, stop it, man. And then the other thing that I don't... Turn those heated seats on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man, that's right. I feel like Tom Cochran's life is a highway that was paved 40 years ago, and Rascal Flatts' life is a highway that was paved yesterday, <laughs> and it's perfectly smooth, and all the lines are pristine and white. <laughs> and uh and you know yes um that's a perfect way to put that i'm not going to go into the other stuff i hate about their version i it, it'll it'll take me a full half hour to just next talk week about. we'll be doing god bless the broken road <laughs> and everything we hate about it just that's right i'm rob and this is jp and welcome to the we hate rascal fats <laughs> podcast <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about why Rascal Flatts sucks, why, why we think they suck, and why we think you should, you should too. too. <laughs> awesome. And why, if you like Rascal Flatts, you suck. This is Kenneth Spider on bass. Um, he was in a band called Street Heart that had a song called Action, and they do a cover of Rolling Stones Under My Thumb. And live, he has a 15 minute bass solo. Whoa. 15 minutes. That's I did. A- I didn't watch all of it but it's was it good it's 15 minutes i mean what could you do uh, i mean if you're good i mean unless you're victor wooten that's what i'm gonna say yeah. like you could watch victor wooten jaco pastorius yeah for 15 minutes this, this guy is i mean he then went into being lover boy so that kind of tells okay. like i mean he's good but he's not 15 minutes good okay you know he's right. a minute and a half he's stefan lesser from dave matthews time 
solo bass solo good okay like you know a minute yeah. or two yeah but not a yeah anyway but wow. good bass player nonetheless kenneth spider i know you're a big fan of the podcast so thank you for listening maybe, maybe he like provided the sound system for the band oh yeah you know what i mean so they had to like the, indulge he him. carried all this in yeah this his gear. just Let's give him his, his section yeah, yeah. that's right we'll go have a coffee <laughs> um or whatever it is you canadians drink and who can resist a good chord harmonica solo like yeah. you know it's not a john popper stevie wonder solo it's just chords bob dylan <laughs> who doesn't love that bob dylan thanks for stopping by appreciate you coming by and played a solo for us uh your harmonica well, i think it needs some work most the, of our per- person right. here most of our guests that stop by typically talk bob just brought yeah, his harmonica he just brought his harmonica he's not he's, he's got some laryngitis not feeling well yeah. so Tom, in 2007, ranked the number one celebrity musician golfer. So I started looking through the list of, like, 2007 list of musician golfers that I would know. I knew number four, Alex Lifeson of Rush. But currently, probably the best musician golfer is a guy named Kenneth Bruce Gorlick, or Kenny G., Wow. He is by far the best handicap. There's a website where you can look at like musician golfers and it puts their handicap off to the side. That's awesome. And Kenny G is leaps and bounds above all the other musicians as a golfer. No kidding. So if you're in a select shot golf tournament and you have a chance to team up with Kenny G, he's your guy. That I, that seems right. Kenny G strikes me as a guy who probably owns a lot of white pants. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like you, you can look at him and kind of go, <laughs> kind of go. Well, I bet you're pretty good at golf. Like, <laughs> he like pulls a tee from behind his ear. Like, here you go. You need to clean your teeth. Something wrong with the world today I don't know what it is Something's wrong with our eyes I have a theory about Aerosmith I want to throw it at you I'm just going to throw it at you And let's just, let's just see what you think about this Okay I think Aerosmith are the hard rock Beatles Okay, explain I, I think if, if, um, if Paul and John and company had stayed a band for 30 more years that they could have eventually turned into Aerosmith. Okay. That if, and if maybe they had done, um, maybe if they had done cocaine instead of LSD, <laughs> they chose the wrong drug. They, yeah, maybe they got into the wrong drug, but no, I feel like there's so much, um, sort of DNA crossover between these two bands, the way they, the way they write, the kind of songs they do, the way they, you know, their their chord progressions. I just feel like Aerosmith is the is the hard rock version of the Beatles. I am going to completely go against what you say because I think Aerosmith reminds me so much of the other, the Rolling Stones. Really? Because I think Mick Jagger and Steven Tyler look alike. I think they're similar <laughs> the way they look. I think their vocal stylings are similar yeah. in some regards. So not only am I going to go against <laughs> what you're saying, I, I'm going to going to go the opposite direction and say they're their rivals. Well, why don't you guys tell us what you think? How yeah, about give us that? your is, is Aerosmith more Beatles or more Stones? More Beatles or Stones? Follow us out there on at Great Song Pod on Twitter, or uh, leave some comments in in uh, in the description in the. Um, 
you know, the comment section thing of the podcast thing. We do podcast. You make comment. Tell us Beatles, Stones, Aerosmith. Okay. So the drum that he's playing there, that's actually Steven Tyler playing a bass drum that he stole from his high school marching band. No. <laughs> he went back to his high school and stole it. Didn't ask for it. With help, snuck in and stole a bass drum from his old high school. Wow. And played it right there. And so, th- so okay, the thing that strikes me about that story is, other than it's hilarious, is it's 1993. Steven Tyler can go ask for it. He can, he can borrow it. <laughs> yeah. But no, he went and stole it I mean, out he, of the high school marching band. He had to be at least 40 by this point. <laughs> I picture him with his hat <laughs> sticking in, wearing sunglasses. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. hilarious. That's when you know somebody is rock and roll to the bone. Exactly. They don't bother going through proper channels, even when it would be, nut- of course, we would be honored for we you, Mr. We would love Mr. to Tyler. donate you this. Yeah. And yeah, no, stole it. That's hilarious. At first, I thought you were going to say, when you said it was his high school snare that he stole, I thought you meant for a second that he had like stolen it in high school and oh, kept, kept it. it. No, no, no. He went back and stole it. <laughs> <laughs> for this recording. Uh, a middle-aged Steven Tyler breaking into his high school to to use, to steal their kick drum, to use it for four notes, their yeah. big concert bass drum is hilarious. Yeah. That yeah. is, that's pretty rock and roll. Is I, that, I feel like the Ramones would be proud. Yeah. You know, the Sex Pistols would be proud <laughs> of that. Everybody knows that one guitar player who is like a friend of theirs or whatever, and they can play like they have the finger knowledge of like the blues scale and they can, they'll play, but they don't like know what they're playing. You I don't feel I mean? like he listens to what he plays. I just feel like he just starts playing. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. And it's, now, yeah. When he does now, when he does stuff on purpose, that's melodic. Like I think of like hole in my soul. Now, I do like the, the guitar thing he does at the end that sounds like a siren, yeah. which isn't a solo. I yeah. guess it's kind of riffy, those, but it fits in the song. Both of those things that we just mentioned could be production ideas. Yeah. But let's go ahead and give him credit okay. for those. Sorry if I was but, too hard on you, Mr. Perry. No, Great I'm, job on I'm, the end, but I just don't like you as a guitar 100% solo. with you. As a lead guitarist, I'm, I'm not a fan. I feel like a lot of times his stuff is buried in the mix because it's... Uh, it's just sort of him going <laughs> and there's not yeah. much there's not much like sing me yeah sing a riff yeah sing, that's good sing me that's good. any sing Joe Perry lead line yeah that's good other than when he's being slow and melodic like at the end of this one where he's that's the only stuff you can sing back because most of it is just uh, I don't want to say it's nonsense but there's no language to it there's no speech to it that's good um I like that. He's the opposite of B.B. King. B.B. King was like every phrase, every everything is a sentence, and I'm telling you a story. And Joe Perry's like, <laughs> I have a great B.B. King tie-in to that. Well, That's so funny you said that because Joe Perry is left-handed but plays right-handed, huh. and so does B.B. King. What? Yep. And there's two others that I could, I did a little bit of research, but I was like, I wonder if there's anybody else that's left-handed but plays right-handed. 
So, like, they have a regular, yeah. like, he's, his so dominant hand play, is his left hand. Uh-huh. But, but they don't play upside down. They no, just they, play, play, they right play like a regular right-handed guitar player. B.B. King, same way. Dwayne Allman, huh. same way. And Glenn Fry. All three are left-handed, but they no play kidding. right-handed. Wow. So. Man, that seems, that would be so hard. I'm thinking, like, trying to play left-handed, like, it just feels wrong. Yeah, to... Uh, like, even if the guitar was, I don't know. That makes me want to see if I could learn to play left-handed and let my... There's no way. Uh, you're, yeah. I couldn't do it. Joe Perry, you're a better man than I. <laughs> yes. yes. If, if you can play lead guitar right-handed... And you're left-handed, then Great mister, job. you're a better man than I. Great job to you. He's actually created Joe Perry's Rock Your World Hot Sauce, okay. which is fe- featured on a quesadilla <laughs> as an appetizer at every hard rock restaurant. That is one what? thing you can get at every hard rock. You can go in and get a Joe Perry quesadilla, which <laughs> features Rock Your World Hot Sauce. <laughs> one quick note while we're talking about that line uh, that we discovered in researching this, even just today, right before we oh, yeah. started. That line, if you can judge a wise man by the color of his skin, then mister, you're a better man than I, is a, it's not a direct quote, but it is a pretty direct reference to the song, You're a Better Man Than I, by the Yardbirds. Awful song. Awful. It's just (laughs) weak sauce. Uh, But the lyric is not bad. The lyric is pretty good, but the song itself just feels kind of wimpy, especially after you've been listening to this. Yeah. And then you go back and listen to it. We're not sure what iteration of the Yardbirds that is. They had some amazing, they had Clapton, they had Beck. They had uh, uh, Jimmy Page all at one point in time or another, but this sounded like they had Ron from <laughs> Ron from Circuit City on on lead guitar. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> that's awesome. But uh, anyway, but the, <laughs> this uh, anyway that line is is a pretty direct reference to that though. Um, so uh, if you know who that I'm not going to bother because I don't really want to know what if it was Eric Clapton yeah. and and we would just be sad yeah. so I don't really want to know but if you must burst my bubble you can let me you know who played lead guitar on You're a Better Man Than I by the Yardbirds that's astonishing breath control um, that's crazy breath control not birth control I don't think Steven Tyler really had any interest at all in birth control as far as I know. That's some Kenny G cyclical breathing Kenny going G. on right there. Yes, Kenny G. You know what? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, that would be the ultimate slap in the face to Aerosmith probably would be to take us out with some Kenny G. Um, who's actually, you know what? Pretty funny guy. Not going to lie. I followed him for a period of time on Twitter. Pretty funny guy. Heard him in some interviews. Kenny G. So. I'm going to lose some cool points, but I've seen him live and Ooh. he's funny live. Really? Yes. He he. He cracks on himself like he knows his. He's self-aware. He's self-aware and comes out in the crowd. He was, yeah. I went and saw him at the Symphony in Nashville, and it was it was a good show. Wow! Uh, uh, please all, save this, save this. All the rock and roll just left this oh, room. No, just, no, it got sucked out of here like like in the vacuum of space when we started talking about seeing Kenny G at the Symphony. Oh man, play him. Steven Tyler is Aerosmith. crying somewhere. Oh, oh he's man, crying. That is crazy. Oh. Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) We're really living on the edge. Uh, Shut up and dance. dance. Baby, I'm amazed the way you love me all the time. Maybe I'm afraid of the way I love you. Baby, I'm amazed the way you pulled me out of time. You hung me online. Today we're going to be talking about 
about Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney, um, most notably of Paul McCartney and Wings. Absolutely. Um, he, for those of you that are big Wings fans yeah. out there. I'm a big Wings fan, uh, but not, it's not more the food. Like, I like buffalo chicken. wings. Ah, oh, dude. Um, Favorite chicken wing place. My, uh... Oh. Oh, uh, you know what? I, when I was a teenager, I used to get Domino's Pizza and yeah, get their Wing wings. Street. No, Wing Street's the, Pizza Hut. Wing Street's Pizza Hut. Yeah. Um, and I would get Domino's wings and dip the pizza in the hot wing sauce. If you I, go to Buffalo Wild Wings, do you have a favorite uh, flavor? No. I'm a spicy garlic or a Parmesan garlic. I got I got spicy garlic wings from uh, Little Caesars one time, and it made me want to die. Oh, so I Everything done them from since. Little Caesars is wrong. Me and my yeah, wife terrible. actually did a wing fest one night where we ate Domino's, Pizza Hut, Wings, uh, wing Stop, we uh buffalo wild wings we did like eight different wing places Wingy dingy. oh my gosh and we voted and the consensus <laughs> we did this eight. is just you and your wife me and my wife and two friends okay and uh we did uh we voted and at the end everybody put little caesars as their last that I was definitely last totally it was like a bonus it. round like oh little caesars now watch we we're probably on the verge of a little caesar sponsorship, sponsorship. <laughs> i know they're like hot ready five this is about a five dollar podcast <laughs> yeah. that's about that's about the quality that we just blew it we just blew it so Sorry, Caesar. And do you think if this is called Baby, I'm Amazed, it's the hit? Yeah. I, yeah you think it would have still yeah, been a hit? It's fine. I, I think the I love the uh, self-awareness to go. It, because it, honestly, the maybe lyric makes the song make a little less sense. Like if you're just listening to it, you kinda, it kind of makes you go, wait, what's he really saying? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, but it, I think it totally works as a and it, taken in context. Basically. The theme of this song is, crap, the Beatles are breaking up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, did you know this song was originally supposed to be on uh, Let It Be? Yes. And it got kicked. And, and, and so it's like written in the middle of, crap, I'm in the biggest rock band in the world and everything is chaos and we're breaking up and I don't know what to do, but I've got you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, I mean, it's really, why don't you very... sing on this song with me? Yeah. Why don't you sing on it? Sing. But I don't even sing. Oh, come on. Come love. on. Come on, love. Let's, yeah. let's just have a go. Um, so I spot on with Paul, like lingo, I, it's right. pretty good. <laughs> well, you know, I only watched the episode of Saturday night live with him and Chris Farley yeah. a million times. Yeah. That's so, so good. Uh, he's like, uh, Oh yeah. I wasn't really dead. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's like, you remember, uh, that time Chris you Farley, man, you remember, you remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. Oh man. Did you remember when um, everybody thought you were dead? Paul was dead. Paul is dead. <laughs> I wasn't really dead. My favorite part of this song. Um, is is the the very last section before they go into the chorus for the last time? Um, there is a note. Play, play a little bit of it. Yeah, let's play a little bit, and I, I and 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 you'll hear what I'm talking about. Okay, so that <laughs> note. That glorious note. We are not going to try to emulate. It's insane. I don't even think I could sing an octave below that note. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding when I say every time I hear this song on the radio, 
and it gets to that part, I start to get nervous. <laughs> He's not going to get there. He's not going to get it. Every time I listen, I go, there's no way he hits that. He's note. Not do it again. Like, I know what he's going to try to do. There's no way he gets there. Well, dude, we should watch and see if they do anything live. See if oh, he does it man. There's just, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me nervous. Every time I listen, I feel like I'm on stage. And I'm and I'm singing this song. And you know it's coming. Headed toward a note that I know I just don't have that day. <laughs> like you did this once in the studio. Like you're gonna Bon Jovi it. Hold the mic stand to the crowd exactly. and gang vocal. Living on a prayer. Yes, exactly. You're gonna you're gonna gang once vocal. Once you hit that key change, yep. you know you just don't have it anymore. You're gonna look for Richie Sambora to help and hold the mic out <laughs> to the to the crowd. Oh man, I just I, every time I get scared for the guy. There's, there's no way you're hitting that note, dude. There's no way. And then, by golly, if every single time he doesn't do it. I think Slash is a great player. His work on November Rain, his yeah. tone on November Rain, and some of his stuff on November Rain is among the most beautiful uh, guitar work I've ever heard. Did you ever listen to Velvet Revolver? Um, I tried. I, I gave it the old college try, oh. uh, but I dropped out of college, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. On Paradise City, they hit the, the sort of the end of the verse. Save another time. Right? That drum fill happens every time. Two snare hits. Take me down to the. Okay. The guy rushes it every time. Every time it's rushed. <laughs> Record with a click or something, yeah. bro. Because it should be, there should be some space there. It should yeah. be. Take it to the end of the line. God, God, take me down to it. But no, 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 no. Listen to it. I'm telling you. He's it's, excited. And it's like, bro, wait a second. Yeah. Hold on. Let like, it build. Man, there's supposed to be some space here. Let it build. Every single time. So literally, it drove me nuts to the point where about a year ago, a little more than that, I guess, I, I downloaded the song uh, and, and put it in my recording software and spaced out just those things, just those fills every time. And it was such a rewarding experience <laughs> to listen to that song where the drummer's actually keeping That's time awesome. and awesome. not rushing. That's awesome. Oh, it was beautiful. And so I uploaded it as a remix to see and if I could get away that. with it. And that's the only thing I changed. I uploaded it as a remix uh, for, for anybody out there who was like me, who that, that drove <laughs> insane. Uh, and SoundCloud took it down immediately. They were like, no, this is, you know what I mean? You basically just stole their song. Uh, can you name you know another I mean? Ted Nugent song other than Cat Scratch Fever? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, yeah. You've got Wango Tango. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> can you name two other songs? I don't know if so I'm afraid of you. Don't shoot me with a bow and arrow. But I really, I really don't think. Uh, I did see Ted Nugent shoot a guitar with an arrow. Um, not up and close, but close enough where I could say I was in, person? in, in the vicinity with binoculars. Wow. Yeah, they're like, Ted Nugent's over there doing a thing, and I didn't have him good enough. <laughs> You're see, just walking down the street. No, they were like, Ted Nugent's doing a show, and I was with a buddy that had binoculars. Like, I bet we can see him from here. And I pulled out my binoculars, and I saw Ted Nugent shoot a guitar with a bow and arrow. Well, all right. I mean, so, they say he's quite good at yeah, it. Yeah, well, there uh, you go. Well, I think he, doesn't he, ha I know his nickname is the Motor City Madman, but I think he also maybe has a song by that title. Odds are um, good. <laughs> I, man, I really feel like I should know more Ted Nugent Sorry, songs. Nuge. There should be some readily available, um, but they're all filthy, so it doesn't really yeah. matter. He says, son, can you play me a memory? I'm not really sure how it goes, but it's sad and it's sweet and I knew it complete when I wore a younger man's clothes. Well, I 
almost doesn't matter at all anymore. I guess it does, but not bit. nearly to the degree it did. Video did, in fact, kill the radio star yeah. to a great degree. Um, and now I feel like video almost doesn't matter either. What well, does well, matter? Yeah. <laughs> what what matters anymore? Podcasts. Uh, podcasts. Podcasts matter. Good call. And this song is loosely based on some of the real people that he met and, and got to know and some of the regulars at the executive room. Um, for example, there was really, you know, John at the bar and he was the, the bartender who worked during his shift and he would get him drinks for free. And you do you know, look anything up on him on John, the bartender? I did. No. Did you go deep research on John? His name is actually Ian McLean. Okay. But drunk people can't say Ian. <laughs> so they're just like, John. So he became John at the bar. So everybody called him John. Wow. But his real name is Ian. Ian McLean. Ian. Old Ian. Yeah. John. Yeah. John. <laughs> I saw, I went to a, a show at the Ryman that it was supposed to be Marshall Tucker and Charlie Daniels. Yeah. Marshall Tucker canceled. So they needed to fill in with somebody. So last minute, Nashvilleian Phil Vassar stepped up, huh. and the opener was Taylor Swift. Really, it was a long time ago. She was just getting started. So picture this: Taylor Swift, then Phil Vassar, then Charlie Daniels. <laughs> so the crowd was the weirdest crowd I've ever sat beside. I had like a seven-year-old girl to my right, and like a. 60 year old drunk man to my left. It was like this waving is, a flag. Yeah. It was like, I'm glad I'm sitting between these two or this could just be weird. But yeah, Phil Vassar, he was a very, very good. Uh, just another day in paradise. Carlene. I, I'm a Phil Vassar fan. So. Uh, he's not really on my radar. Yeah, I'm, like I'm aware him. of him, but I didn't, I didn't count him in, uh, in trying to account for these covers. I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be crude, but when he dies, the amount of material that they're going to release yeah. is going to be insane. Yeah. And well, you know, I, I wonder, I'm surprised yet because I'll be on River of Dreams. I know it's big. I know you probably really like my it, favorite. Really? Yeah. I, in the middle of the night, I'm not crazy about that song. Yeah. That's one of my least favorite Billy Joel songs. Yeah. I absolutely adore that album. It's in my top five albums of all time. Yeah. Um, I love everything about it. It's perfect to me. But, and, and it ends with the song called Famous Last Words. And the chorus of that song is, these are the last words I have to say. And then he's never put out another. Wow. Uh, I think he did put out one song around the, around the millennium. He put, or he put out like a single, Uh um, but that's it. That's wow, I never, that's all he's done since that's, 1993. That's like now, he did it. He did a classical record. Sure. He's, he's toured a billion Broadway times with Elton Joel. Uh, Elton, Elton Joel. Joel. <laughs> Sorry, Elton. Uh, you know, Elton Joel and Eric Clampton. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we know our songs here, guys. Well, let's tell you. Tim Hendrix, great guitar player. Great guy. That Timmy, he can shred it. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So opening day, everybody's, you know, gathering toward they're about to open the gates, right? I get there early. Um, I, you do too, right? You, Absolutely. You get, yeah. So Go to batting practice. Batting practice. Catch it all. I want to, my thing is not what time does the game start? It's what time do the gates open? Open, yeah. I want to be there then. Yes. I want to be there 30 minutes before then. Um, so. I would rather get there early and leave in the eighth 
the state. Oh, <laughs> maybe, no. Maybe not. My rules, never leave never leave <laughs> sporting events, especially baseball games. Never leave baseball games or church oh, early because okay. you never know what's going to happen. True. That's true. Um, but, uh, Do you leave before encores at concerts? No. no. Okay, good. What kind of monster? I didn't, no. I know people that do. Jeez, so. that's when they usually save their best. They get like, out to or, beat the traffic. God, no. It is not worth it. I'll no. sit in the traffic. If I paid $80 to go to a concert, <laughs> you better believe I'm going to get every ounce of no. Mm-mm. No. If you're, if you're listening right now and you leave before encores at a concert, please let me know why. I need to know more about your psychology. Uh, send us a, send us a message, send us a tweet. It's gotta be a better argument than traffic. Yeah. It's gotta be one better than that. Like if I went specifically to see an event, I'm going to see, that's like, no, uh, uh, no, 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 no. Anyway, back to, back to first (laughs) time you heard the detective in the movie. Sherlock Holmes is about to say who done it. Like I'm good. You know, it's going to be crowded. Like I'd rather, I don't want a bottleneck at the front door. So I'm just going to get on out of here. (laughs) Forget that. No, we can do better. I do love uh, this song features uh, rapper uh, B.O.B. Good job, Bobby Ray Simmons Jr. Whoa. Kapowie. Bobby B-O- Ray Simmons Jr. That's a good. Uh, I love finding out people's real names. Yeah, I know. I right? just love it. Uh, my real name is Alfred uh, Mankiewicz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know. if It's just got Rob for short. Yeah, just Rob for short. <laughs> oh, that'll be that'll be fun. How many listeners know what the JP and JP stands for? Ooh. Ooh. Okay, all right. We hit us up on Twitter at Great Song Pod. Uh, Mom, or, you can't answer. <laughs> Anybody else is welcome to take a gander at what the JP stands for. What does the JP in JP <laughs> Mosier stand for? I can't wait to hear a, the response. It is not JP. J A Y P E E. That no. is not my name. <laughs> right. That would be my parents. If name. your middle name was P, that would be horrible. That would be the worst like just name the ever. body function P. Yeah, that'd be terrible. So there were six? six top 10 off this album, and I didn't even know they made the top 10. Wow. Price tag, um, Domino, which is a big one, Laser Light, Nobody's Perfect, Who You Are, and Do It Like Dude all hit in the top 10 off of one album, and I probably only knew three of them. I knew, I know none of the others. You'll know Domino if you heard me, heard it. Sing it. Take me down like Domino Domino. Nah. No. What? Nope. Okay. Nope. Anyway, there's a dirty dancing in the moonlight. Nope. What? I okay. told you this is out of my okay, listening. Not our, not our era. No. I'm not a Jesse James impersonator, but I thought that would be enough for Jesse you. Jesse James? Like, oh, yeah. The Western? Jesse J. Let's <laughs> say Jesse James. I'm not, Just, I'm not a Jesse James impersonator, but give me all your money, cowboy. did uh, win the Grammy. Bruce Hornsby in the range won the Grammy for Best New Artist uh, in 1980. I guess it would have been 1987. Seven um, for the 86 album. Yes. Um, do you know who he beat out? Uh, I don't. I do. I have the three artists that he beat out. Ooh, hit me. Okay. Glass Tiger. Okay. Not a clue. Oh, yeah. No, that was on Punch Out, right? Oh, Mike Tyson's yeah. Punch Out. Glass uh, Joe. Oh, oh And okay. a Great Tiger. A Great Tiger. Oh, man. Can you name the characters Whoa. from Mike Tyson's Punch Out? Uh, yes. I don't know if I can do them in order. Okay. But there was, okay, Glass Joe. Glass Joe. Uh, 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 Great Tiger. Great uh, Tiger was Piston, third. Piston Honda. Piston Honda was fourth. Uh, Von Kaiser. Von Kaiser. Bald Bull. Bald Bull. You're killing it. Uh, Soda Popinski. Soda Popinski. Uh... King Hippo. Oh, King oh Hippo. yeah, yeah, yeah. King Hippo. Uh, Don Flamenco. Don Flamenco. Yeah. Yes. Is that it? That's uh, an, a Sandman. And either Sandman or Mike Tyson, right. depending on which version you were able to get a hold of. Yeah. yeah. That was, Did I love. Did we forget love. anybody? 
It that sounds right. Yeah, I'm, I don't feel like we're missing anybody. Macho Man. Probably There's somebody way man. racist. Right. Macho Man. Was there a Macho Man? I feel like there was a version where, uh, where yeah, Macho Man was replaced. He was the, the last bad guy. Like, yeah. he was the Mike Tyson replacement. Um, yeah. That was fun. That, that was, was fun. a great game. Still great love game. it. Great I loved game. it on regular Nintendo. I loved it on Super Nintendo. I bought it for the Wii when you could buy, like, old games for the Wii. I've had that three different versions of that game. If you've never played, go out and play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Shout game. out to Mike Tyson. Okay, so Glass Tiger, uh, they beat them. Uh, Simply Red. Yeah. And New Shoes. N-U-S-H-O-O-Z. Oh, yeah. Apparently, Who can forget New they Shoes? They just barely edged out New Shoes. New Shoes. Oh, Rolling Stone compiled a list of the 21 strangest best new artist Grammy wins. Okay. Bruce Hornsby in the range is, is given number eight. On the list of 21 strangest best new artist Grammy wins. What's the one? By Rolling Stone. One. Do you have? Do you Here's, have I'm going to read you the entire article. It's a paragraph long. Uh, and Hang it, with us. It'll be good and stuff. it says like this. This is, this is what Rolling Stone said about Bruce Hornsby in the range winning best new artist in 1987. Socially conscious piano solos with the drum mix in the red. Talk about 1980s Grammy bait. Bruce Hornsby could have disemboweled Billy Crystal on stage wearing a home taping rules t-shirt and still won this trophy. Nobody is 100% sure what the range did besides have deep backstage conversations with Hornsby about the Civil Rights Act. Who'd win in a 1980s golf rock fight, the range or the news? Discuss. Hornsby later joined the Grateful Dead as a keyboardist, which is like volunteering for a combat mission. Respect. And the number, number one, one uh, according to Rolling Stone, strangest best new artist Grammy win, Jose Feliciano. Oh, yes. 1968. Feliz Navidad. Feliz that Navidad. Oh, yes. Uh, in 1968, he beat out Jimi Hendrix for, for best new artist. Holy cow. And uh, Jimi Hendrix never got a Grammy nomination in his lifetime. Really? Never. Uh, got beat out by Jose Feliciano. Man, he so, hates Christmas. I, <laughs> I mean, that's like, what do you think is a bigger, what do you think is a bigger travesty? Hendrix getting beat out by Jose Feliciano for best new artist okay. or Metallica getting beat for best uh, heavy metal album by Jethro Tull. Oh gosh. Ugh. I mean. That's a wash. Those, are, those yeah. are both pretty egregious. Yeah. He's frequently on the cover of Piano Monthly, yeah. which was a, a famous album or a famous uh, magazine subscription you could subscribe to. And I just started looking through some just covers because he's on there a lot. And I was just trying to think of some, some really my favorite heading on a Piano Monthly is says, learn the harpsichord in seven days and impress the ladies. <laughs> that is a great. Yes, that's a great piano monthly. So if you oh, have that man. copy of the Bruce Hornsby piano monthly that says "Learn the Harpsichord in Seven Days and Impress the Ladies," that has got to be a collector's. Oh honor. man, that's actually a little-known fact about me, but uh, that's how I met my wife. A little harpsichord solo. I was just, you know, just minding my own business, playing the harpsichord, and uh, all of a sudden, man, she was just like, "What's up?" And I was like, you know, just get my harpsichord on. <laughs> A lot of people know him for a song called Cartoons, Cartoons yeah, terrible song. Uh, which, wow, I mean, like, it's a smart song, it's quirky, but it's literally, it's like a goofy youth pastor song 
Um, and he was a youth pastor and it was just something he, you know, made up about if, you know, if cartoons got saved, how would they sing praise to the Lord? And, uh, you know, and then it's a bunch of impressions like, yeah. okay, um, cool. Like how would Bullwinkle, you know, <laughs> that was not Bullwinkle at all. I don't know what character but, uh, was. Hallelujah. I can't really do that's Bullwinkle, closer. I guess. I guess that's what we've just discovered is I can do a great many impressions, but Bullwinkle is Bullwinkle's not, not, not really one of them. This song happens in one second. This is, is, you know, a four minute song, but in chronological time, it takes place in one second of him realizing, oh my gosh, this is happening. Like she's head over heels in love with me and it's just dawning on me. And his whole relationship is flashing before his eyes with him and this girl. Um, and he's, he, he just caught a flash of it and everything is washing over him. Um, and I just think that's so cool when you can take a song and, and expand a single moment to, you know, four minutes, five minutes, whatever. Um, it's just, it's just amazing. Cause it kind of, that's kind of how it feels in a moment like that. It's like you have some great revelation or something clicks into place and you get this download all of a sudden and, and, and images and memories, this is the and, montage moment of the movie. Exactly. When you're watching Rocky or whatever, yes. you all the flashbacks in that one moment. Yes. This is that moment for this guy. That's right. This is his montage moment. This is what Daniel son saw in his head when he's about to go up for the crane kick. Yes. He's seeing all of his training leading right. up to that moment in one instantaneous. When he thing. glances at Miyagi and he gives him the <laughs> wink and he's about to crane kick this girl right in the face <laughs> with love. This is an amazing song, incredible production. And then in the last 60 seconds, they allow this travesty to happen <laughs> that every time I hear it tries to pull me away from the beauty of this P- song. Play the little section so they can hear what we're talking about. I don't want to. Okay. You don't have to listen to it. Never mind. We're going to take you out a little differently this week uh, because after that, minor guitar solo in a major key. I've got to hear something else to cleanse my palate. Some musical ginger, if you will. Uh, so, Hey, I kind of am a musical ginger. So are you I'm a musical ginger? We're musical We're gingers, the musical gingers on the great song podcast. <laughs> I'm Ed Sharon. I'm not Ed Sharon. And I'm some other guy. I'm, some I'm other, the other one. Who's the other musical ginger? I'm a, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm Ron Cunningham. Uh, <laughs> Opie. I'm uh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. <laughs> Ron Opie Cunningham. Uh, okay. Oh gosh. Uh, I don't know. Opie Taylor. I'm some, I'm Rick Astley. Oh yeah. Yeah. Play some Rick Astley. Musical gingers. Who can it be now? 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 Um the lyrics came later. He lived near drug dealers at the time and he was afraid to answer the door. No kidding. And he said every time somebody knocked on his door, it was somebody either wanting something from him because he couldn't pay his rent or something or it was somebody looking for the drug dealers. Wow. He was like, so who could it mean? I don't want to open the door. That uh, answers literally all my questions about the song. All the questions about, the questions about what was. Rob asked me before, like right before we started, he's like, I think he had a list of something. To- yeah, I had. A, I was. I was going to take us down a road of like a list of questions of why. Why does he want to be alone? And I was like, like why well, does he not want to be bothered? Well, it's because of this, Rob. And he's like, okay, <laughs> like, well, you can talk about it. Lives in a fix- drug neighborhood. Okay. Um, well, now, all right. Well, this has been a great episode of. Uh, Thank you for listening. This is the Great Song Podcast.
All right, so album and single, number one simultaneously uh, in the U.S., same for Australia, New Zealand, and the U.K. charts. All, this song, like, blew up. This album blew up. They were, like, they've sold uh, 30 million albums worldwide, Minute Work. That's a lot. How about it, right? Like, I always thought kind of a kitschy, um, you know, like, oh, it's the, you know, the Australian, like a novelty thing, you know what I mean? But the, they were kind of like Gus Polinski, Polka King of the Midwest from Home Alone, like <laughs> yes. sold about 623 copies. Exactly. Like that's that guy. Yes. I mean, like that's Colin Hay. Okay. I'm just going to say it. We're all thinking it. Why'd they put the camera right in his face when everybody knows he's got a messed up eye? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he's got a real bad, I don't know if you call it a lazy eye. I don't know if that's... <laughs> Un, you know, whatever. I don't know if that's a mean way to call it, but like he has one eye that just looks in kind of the opposite. I direction. wonder if they did it to get some notoriety, like to get some notoriety. Like, let's listen to the band with the guy with the eye. But it's you the know? Australian guy with the, the eye. Australian guy with the you eye. Know? Let's put it up close, and that's yeah. yeah. I mean, they're like, I don't know, I don't know, but they, I mean, he was not afraid of it. You know, maybe it was just a thing. It was like, man, I'm, you know. Like he, he it makes not, it look like he's looking around though. Like does. who can it be? Like oh, my eyes are going crazy. I'm looking around trying to find out who it was. Yeah, yeah. We're really nice people, guys. Man. I know you think we get out here and just just rip people, but we. Uh, you know, he just. Uh, he, I mean, he wasn't going for sexy. You know, they weren't going for sexy with that shot. It's an uncomfortably close, and he's just letting the eye just go all over the place. Well, JP, it's been quite a run. 25 wonderful weeks. I can't believe we made it. 25. Looks like we made it. 25. <laughs> you guys, thanks so much for listening to all... Was that all Mary Manilow? Wait a minute. Shania Twain. Mine was, mine was mine Shania was, Twain. Looks like we made it. Oh, and, Mary Manilow. And mine was, looks like we made it. Oh, my oh, goodness. Wow. Holy cow. Look at that. Only on the Great Song Podcast. That was like a little bonus mini episode. A, right. a micro episode. Yeah. All right. We I'm can't wait. i Barry and Shania didn't show up. They normally do. Oh, it's true. It's right. What is... I, don't, I can't do either I one of those. Oh well. oh, well. We can't wait to see you guys for season two. We got some fun ideas for season two. Great, amazing songs coming up, of course. You know what to expect by now. Only the best. Uh, so let's just let our buddy Mark Cohn take us out with some soothing tones as we all reflect on a wonderful season. We'll see you guys for season two of the Great Song Podcast. We're we'll waiting for you. I'm Rob. I'm JP. Just listen to Mark. Then I'm walking in Memphis. Just walking with my feet ten feet off a beam Walking in